This podcast is made possible because of generous supporters. If you would like to help this ministry continue to make this podcast, you can sign up to become a Patreon supporter. You would have options to unlock bonus interviews, be a part of exclusive live stream events, even be a part of an LTN book club. It's really easy to join. Just go to patreon.com slash love thy neighborhood. We'd love to have you with us as we explore discipleship and missions in our modern times. Again, go to patreon.com slash love thy neighborhood and sign up today. And you know, it's interesting if it's somebody else's conflict, like if I am experiencing it as a third party, whether it's two other people or a friend that is conveying it to me later on, I can go there and almost clinically evaluate and analyze those emotions. But once you put me into the seat with the conflict, totally different story. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Cast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and now we are making our way into the head triad by talking about type fives and conflict. So let's do a little refresher. Type five, when they're healthy, these folks are wise, they are perceptive, they're curious, they are scholarly, calm and contemplative, and they are great listeners. However, when they're unhealthy, they can become detached, they can overanalyze, they can seem unfeeling or withholding, they can have a scarcity mindset and become arrogant. They also sort of just go blank in the face sometimes when you're talking to them. They're in their mind castle. Yeah. They don't know that they forgot to let you in. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm in the heart triad. You got to give me some response here when I'm talking to you. So... Conflict can come from anything, and there is just no shortage of conflict in this world that we live in. But according to James chapter 4, much of our conflict comes from our warring desires. So what is the desire of the five? The five has a core desire to be competent, to be competent, which means what? I think that fives want to know that they have all the resources to meet all their own needs. And because they're in the head triad, a lot of their needs feel intellectual. So they need to know the things. They need to know what to expect is coming. They need to know what they think about things, how things work in order to feel safe and competent. Yeah, a real sense in which they want to feel like they have what it takes to navigate things, but they also can perceive. Mm -hmm. Um, Perception is like a really big deal for the five. Do they have the ability to perceive this thing, this issue, this person holistically, comprehensively in the way that provides as much accuracy as possible? Mm -hmm. Yeah, accuracy is a good one. Yeah. So they try to achieve this desire by gaining knowledge. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so figuring it out, like that is their thing. Yes. So the opposite of being competent is being incompetent. Yeah, being an idiot, being a numbskull. So fives are going to feel conflict- when they think they are being perceived as incompetent 
or outsmarted. Yeah, yeah. So when conflict does arise, what do we do? Well, remember, Jesus's view of conflict that we talked about in episode 65, healthy conflict is good, healthy conflict is transformative, and healthy conflict is an opportunity to love. So with those things in mind, let's take a look at these two things. First, how does type five tend to approach conflict? And second, how does the five resolve conflict? Okay, so Lindsay, how does a five approach conflict? Well, to look at how the five approaches conflict, we want to look at their social style. So each type is a part of what Rizzo and Hudson call the social style triad. And the five is a part of the withdrawn triad. So they are in that triad with fours and nines. So these types move away from others. They move inward in order to get their needs met. What this looks like for a five is going to be things like spending large amounts of time studying or thinking. As you said, they are in their mind palace. Mm -hmm. They are not engaging with the world around them, but they're just they're staying in their head. And it's going to be books. It's YouTube videos. It's time in the garage. It's sometimes it's literally time sitting in a chair staring off into the distance. Like Mm -hmm. it is getting mentally, internally stocked up and organized. Right. So when it comes to conflict, fives are going to withdraw from situations that they see as threatening or draining to their energy. Because remember, we talk about fives wake up with the same gas tank of energy every day. And they're very protective of their fuel. And if anything is going to be unexpectedly taking a lot of that fuel, they're going to withdraw. They're going to retreat because they need that fuel for the other things that they already know to expect in their day. Yeah. And so they're going to withdraw because they feel like they have limited resources. Conflict is going to naturally trigger their desire to retreat and hunker down into their head where they feel safe, where yeah. they feel competent. Right, right. So just say it another way, the place that they feel the safest mm-hmm. is inside their heads when their heads are acquiring lots of information and knowledge and insights. Yeah, and where they're prepared. Yeah, where they feel prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the deal, though. That's great, Mm -hmm. except for the fact that there's a problem with it. And the problem is that this, of course, is disengagement. It's Mm -hmm. relational disengagement from other people, especially in conflicts. Like Conflicts do not get resolved by us just sitting around and just thinking about them. Yeah. A little withdrawal. Let me pull back, think about it before I speak up or act. Mm -hmm. Great. But at some point, the five does have to take action in order for there to be healthy conflict. Yes. So the gift, though, of this approach is that they're not going to make rash decisions and responses because they are going to be inclined to have that pause moment. Whether or not they can fully leave the room might not be possible, but they are going to look within and try to come up with a calculated response. Yeah. Okay. so these are some of the ways that a five approaches conflict. Let's look at how a five resolves conflict. So in addition to the social style triad, each type is also part of what Rizzo and Hudson call a conflict resolution style triad. And the five's conflict resolution style is competency, competency. And they share this along with types one and three. So these folks, they want to solve problems using their objectivity. So let's not get all emotional. Let's not get all worked up. 
let's look at the facts, let's look at the data, let's look at basic solutions and keep on working our way through it. So when they're in conflict, their first instinct is to use logic and analysis to discuss and solve the presenting challenge. Right. So the gift of that, of that logic and analysis approach, is that the five is able to keep the focus on the problem and quickly identify and implement a solution to the conflict. Because they're not wasting time on Mm -hmm. emotions and feelings and what ifs. They're just getting it done, working it out. Emotions are such a waste of energy. (laughs) So here's the deal, though. The challenge with this particular approach is that there are times where they can come across as cold and unfeeling. So folks are like, I'm trying to attach with you. I'm trying to get you to empathize with me. I'm trying to get you to connect with me. And all you're doing is just talking about the cold, hard facts of the situation. Mm -hmm. Like, take into account that there's more than just these facts. Like, Mm -hmm. take my feelings into account. Attune to me. And there are just times where they just don't seem all that concerned with the problem, especially like if they perceive this really is not a big deal. Yeah. Two plus two is four. Like, let's not make a big deal about this. Other people are like, whoa, I feel like you're minimizing all the stuff that's going on with me. Um, And so the five can accidentally make situations worse by being overly cold or being detached from the problem. Right. And there are some types who really can only get through a conflict by expressing their emotions to feel like they verbally process all that they're going through. And you have to at least allow for that. You don't have to become that, but you have to allow for that. Yes. So if you're going into conflict with a five, you know, our tips for that would be to not demand an emotional response. If you're in a healthy place and you can go into a conflict knowing the other person is a five, to just give them that space, you know, that we know that they have a hard time identifying and discussing their emotions. We want to give them that space, you know, let them have a pause or a moment to withdraw And then also we want to respect their internal resources. Yeah. So just know if you have a big emotional conflict at hand, it might need to come at another time. Yeah. It might not happen in the middle of the workday, in the middle of the week, but you might need to schedule that time in advance. Yeah. And the five may say to you, I just need a minute. And it's totally perfectly fine to say, hey, take a second. Yeah. But can we talk about this tomorrow? Yes. Can we talk about it tomorrow at 11 a.m.? Yes. You know, so the five gets their opportunity to like, Prepare, anticipate, recharge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that is a five's preferred way to resolve conflict. But let's talk some about ways that they can grow in resolving conflict. So let's start here. Gospel reminder for all you fives. If a five desires to be competent, God responds to them with the healing message that your needs are not a problem. We have to remember that the five has a fundamental belief that needs drain resources, including their own needs. So if five learns, my needs just take up a bunch of resources. So the best thing is don't have a lot of needs. Just just dial those needs down. And God says to you, no, 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 your needs are not a problem. I want to respond to your needs. I want to take care of your needs. I want you to bring your needs to me. I've designed you to have needs. Um, And so the five is invited to move out of this need for self-sufficiency mm-hmm. and out of this posture of minimizing your needs and into a place where you can receive from the generosity and the abundance of God and other people. Mm. You will have all that you need through God, not through knowing everything. Right. That's good. So for fives to avoid falling into their deadly sin of greed, or some people say 
avarice. Yeah, yeah. Especially relational greed. Yes. And yeah, your own resources. The five will need to exercise the virtue of generosity. So we want you to set some limits around your thinking time and try to push yourself and your jumping in and engaging time. <laughs> so we want fives to intentionally show up in their relationships, even if they haven't figured it all out. Yeah. Like you said, you might not know how a conversation is going to go or how how an event might go. But stepping into that knowing you will have what you need in the moment and whatever you're lacking, it's okay. Yeah. None of us come with all the things. Yep. God and the relationships are enough. Those are the resources. And so additional information helps, but you don't have to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. So we're recommending a breath prayer for each of the types, either before they go into conflict, when they're in the conflict, they're coming out of the conflict. What is the breath prayer for the five? For the five, we say, as you're breathing in, I'm made in God's image. And then as you're breathing out, so I can show up, I can engage. Okay, so those are our teaching notes for the type five, but neither of us are a type five, so we are not quite the experts that we need. So we thought it might be helpful to actually talk with a type five. So our guest today is Elizabeth Evans. Elizabeth is the founder and CEO of Elizabeth Evans Media Productions, a woman-owned full-service podcast production agency. Her unique podcast methodologies have helped world-renowned artists best-selling authors, award-winning musicians, produce shows that have landed in the top 1% of all podcasts. When she's not podcasting, Elizabeth also likes writing and speaking and helping women discover their strengths. And she is a five on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we are so glad to talk with you. So when did you first encounter the Enneagram uh, and, and what insights did you gain from it? Sure. I like, to, I like to say I kind of had two first exposures to the Enneagram. The first one was a bit of a false start. <laughs> when I first moved to Nashville years and years ago, I was actually, y'all, this is actually embarrassing, but we'll talk about it anyways. It was like a first, it was my first, first date in Nashville. And literally like 20 minutes into the conversation, the guy was like, what's your Enneagram number? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea what the Enneagram was. And I kid you not, he said, we cannot continue this date until you take the test. And he's oh like, I'm going to leave for just a second and you can take it and I'll be right back. And I was what? like, why have I moved to Nashville? Everyone here has lost their mind. <laughs> was it also your last date? That's a weird. Absolutely. It was. Yeah. What a I weird don't think you meant any harm by it, but I will say I didn't think about the Enneagram for a very long time after that. I like to call it my false start with uh-huh. the Enneagram, but it was probably a full year later I woke up and you know, when you have those thoughts that are just smarter than you are, and it's just kind of like a download from God. And you're like, mm-hmm. I've never thought that before. Um, it was one of those moments. And I woke up and the first thing I heard was, you've been hoarding your emotions. Mm. I thought, well, one, I've never had that thought before. And two, I have no idea what that even means. So like a good millennial, I Google it. What does it mean to hoard emotions? And honestly, the first thing that popped up was the Enneagram. And it was a full description of the Enneagram 5. Wow. And it was one of those really bizarre, unique, like stark moments that will always stay in my mind because it was 
one of the first times I did truly feel understood. And at this point I had taken every personality test out there and they were all helpful. And in this moment, I can also say it was just the most understood that I felt. So both experiences completely wildly different, but that was definitely the first time when I was reading the description of a five, I just was like, oh my goodness, I feel like I make so much more sense to myself, but also how I interact with the world. Yes, that's amazing. Well, stay with us because when we come back, we're going to dig in deeper into the issue of conflict with Elizabeth Evans. Stay with us. Hey, listeners, it's Hannah. Over the past seven years, we've had over 300 alumni serve in our Urban Missions program who've come from all around the United States. Tessa from Reston, Louisiana. Bethany from Binghamton, New York. Jeff Storms from Kansas City, Kansas. Carrie Spencer from Hardinsburg, Kentucky. They've provided over 130,000 work hours free of charge to local ministries. And along their service journey, they have the opportunity to experience deep community and discipleship that prepare them for their next season of life. Like Jordan Smith from Harrodsburg, Kentucky shared with us. I definitely remember a defining moment where I was challenged by one of the individuals that I was serving. I had really kind of relegated him to that sphere of, of mission or work. He was essentially asking permission to be brought into this other part of my life that I really just kept separate. So I think Love That Neighborhood showed me how to love people in a more gospel-centered way. If you want a hands-on experience of missions in our modern times, come serve with Love Thy Neighborhood. We offer internships for young adults ages 18 to 30 through the areas of service, community, and discipleship. You'll grow in your faith and your life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Hey, welcome back to the Cast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. And we have been talking with Elizabeth Evans at Type 5. Okay, so you heard us talking about that this is our new series on conflict. Mm-hmm. How do you personally feel when conflict arises? Do you tend to fight or avoid or comply? You know, I almost want to say I show up in different scenarios with different responses to conflict. Mm-hmm. So I would say in um, an external situation, if it's like logic or a conversation or a disagreement, I could probably say fight. Like I go towards it and I am not at all Mm -hmm. timid to speak up about what I want. In a professional environment, I probably comply, I would say. At first, that's my default or that was my default. And then relationally with conflict, anything emotional, my default is just to avoid. Mm. So I would say it actually is quite different in different scenarios. If you ask my family, they'd probably say fight because I can be um, (laughs) a little sassy and vocal. And that's what they love about me and and my confidence in that. So I would say in different environments, I show up actually quite differently. Yeah. I mean, that really makes a lot of sense with the five because, you know, your arrow and strength or health goes to that eight place. Yeah. Yeah. And so I always feel like that's the big difference between fives and nines is they can have that little undercurrent of eight where they are a little feistier. They're a little bit more combative, especially if they feel like I know what I'm saying. I know who these people are. I'm safe. I'm not backing down like I can stand on my own. Yeah, it is interesting, too, to hear you talk about like. If it's a topical argument, mm-hmm. you're like, let's do this. Yes. You know, but it's like if it's like a really emotionally weighty one, it's like, 
let's you all do this <laughs> yeah. and I'll go do something else. I'll be over yeah. here. And you know, it's interesting if it's somebody else's conflict, like if I am experiencing it as a third party, whether it's two other people or a friend that is conveying it to me later on, I can go there and almost clinically evaluate mm-hmm. and analyze those emotions. But once you put me into the seat with the conflict, totally different story, especially if it's that emotional conflict that we were speaking to. It's mm-hmm. almost as if I have this full tank and just in one fell swoop, everything is gone. And it's almost as if all intelligence almost goes out the window too. It's so hard for me to stay present in those moments and even come up with the words that I'm looking for, especially if I am caught off guard by somebody bringing conflict towards me. Mm, mm. Yeah. Can you tell us about a conflict you had where you saw yourself acting out of the unhealthy side of your type? Sure. Let me just lay all of my cards out here. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because I would say I was such an avoidant five that a lot of Mm. my stories would be, oh, I got into a small tiff and then the relationship ended or the friendship ended. So that was honestly kind of like the beginning and the end of how I handled conflict up until recently. Mm. But something that I've been really working on in a professional setting is almost resolving the internal conflict so that I'm capable of actually having conflict, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. When I first started out in my career, being a producer, not that it is my job to create conflict, but it is to critique and review and to make the other person better. And I remember a host was walking into a room and we were going over liners and they were recording. I don't even know if we ended up using the liners, but after she was done, she looked at me and she said, was that good? And my first thought was, it wasn't great. I don't think she read it quite right. I knew I could get more out of her. I looked up and I said, it was perfect. Great job. We are good to go. Let's move on. (laughs) And I remember having this like dissonance of, okay, Elizabeth, why did you not speak up when you knew you knew you could make this person better? Mm. And so for a while, I was just noticing this behavior within myself. And so it was this internal conflict more so than it was external conflict with somebody else in the room. I was deferring authority in the room. And then going back to personal relationships, I was almost delaying honesty as well. Mm -hmm. So those two things of deferring authority and delaying honesty, I was almost avoiding control or avoiding taking responsibility and opportunity to make a change. And it made me feel like such a spectator of my own life. So again, the life of a five staying in our minds, I almost had to overcome that internal hurdle first. Mm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Can you tell us about a conflict you had where you saw yourself acting out of the healthy side of your type? And what was the difference? Yes, if we if we stay in this professional zone, which I think is so important specifically for women these days, is that I had a client and we were working on their very first episode of their podcast. And, you know, they had some media background. And so I went through my teaching with them. And this client was great and reflected back to me exactly what she thought she heard me say. And it was almost like the exact antithesis of all of the things that I had just walked through. (laughs) And I thought, oh my goodness, okay, how am I going to resolve this? Old Elizabeth would have been like, yes, that's perfect. That's great. Let's just keep on going. I will fix this in post-production somehow, some way. Five hours later, I'm mixing and mastering and splicing things up. Rather than doing that, I was able to stay present and think, I actually am the authority here. I have a lot of experience Elizabeth, how can you connect with this person and also pursue the best product? So I kind of made a joke about it, almost like what I just did. And I was like, I have communicated something very wildly wrong because that is the opposite, I think, of what I'm saying. And we all just laughed about it Mm. in that moment. 
it still felt a little bit awkward and kind of that like deer walking for the first time kind of example or analogy, but it didn't have to be heavy to resolve it and get back on track. Mm -hmm. And that was something as a five, I think sometimes we can kind of go to the internal of our mind of it's hard and heavy and like walking through quicksand, but it doesn't always actually have to be that way. Being present with what you're feeling and thinking and being present with the other person makes I'd say conflict or even just some kind of communication disagreement so much easier rather than waiting six months down the road to bring something up. And I will say that's huge for fives is that we do have this delay of feeling and internalizing emotions, but it does make it heavier when you are addressing conflict six months down the road versus in that moment and just saying, hey, this made me feel funny or hey, you actually didn't hear me quite right there. Mm -hmm. So the biggest difference I would say is being present with myself and having the confidence to convey that. Yeah. Um, How does knowing the Enneagram help you in conflict? Yes, I would say, I feel like the biggest pushback I get from people with the Enneagram is, well, people just use it as an excuse of why they are the way that they are. Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, people don't don't use it correctly. Mm -hmm. For me, it helps me understand other people so much more because I can then use words that I know are not triggering to them, that make them feel safer. So the more I know about other numbers, the more I feel like I can bring up in a way, whether it's conflict or just a hard conversation, in a way that they understand. Because to me, a lot of our jobs as, as friends and people that are in relationship with others is seek to understand more than to be understood. And I think the Enneagram is such a good tool for that. Absolutely. So in the midst of conflict, what's one thing that you wish everyone else could know about you or about type fives? That gift of pausing, I think, is the biggest thing that has caused more conflict in the midst of conflict is that I want to be able to give you the words that are I'm actually feeling. And it is not to win the argument, at least when I'm in my healthy spot. Even if a five says, I need five minutes to go into the other room and come back. Again, it's not as a punishment or a consequence, which I know it can feel like that sometimes. It's, I don't even have words to give you. This isn't me getting my pieces in place. I literally can't access that part of my brain yet or that part of my heart yet to give you those words. I think the patience of, I want to provide to you the most truthful and honest response. And sometimes that takes time. And that is probably the hardest thing for people that are quick thinkers and quick feelers. But then in addition to that, when we do settle into more of the logic or intelligence side, it's not that we are not feeling emotions because we're probably feeling deep ones. It's that it's hard for us to show that and express that. Mm. So even if you're not picking up on normal social cues from the other person of them looking or providing emotional words, We probably are feeling a lot, but we'll probably have to speak what we're feeling before we are showing what we're feeling. Mm, That's really good. So the virtue for your type is generosity. How do you think generosity helps type fives to approach conflict in a healthier way? Oh, gosh. Great question. Generosity, it's it's hard for fives because we we hoard and we hold on to things and we want as much as we can. And it's not even necessarily out of greed. It's out of safety and mm-hmm. um, and security, I would say. I think being generous with 
our time is a huge, huge gift and huge stretch for fives. But I would say even more than that, being generous with our emotions Mm -hmm. is probably an even bigger gift. And then maybe even one step further as I'm really, really thinking through that, being generous with our internal world, because that is something that I held so closely and wanted to make sure I always looked competent in. I remember one time I was really bogged down with work. It was when I just first started the agency and was working on back-end workflows and organization. And somebody sat me down and was like, Elizabeth, let me just help you. So they were the ones being generous, but I sat and I cried because I was like, I've never let somebody peek behind the curtain like this. Mm. So it seems like kind of a backwards, like self-centered way of being generous, but I would say being more generous with what our internal being is looking like, because that's what's going to create the connection for the other person too. Mm -hmm. So not hoarding our emotions, being more generous and giving with those because people need that, but also just not hoarding our competence because once we can let that wall down, we can create that connection and just be so much more generous with time, emotions, um, and the connection that we're able to provide to others. Mm. Yeah. I love that example because you are actually speaking into that wound, you know, that it's not okay to be too comfortable or have needs. And yet when you are allowing your needs to be met by others, you are meeting a need in them too. If your friend was a two, for instance, that would actually be a blessing to them to be able to show you that your needs are not a problem. And so it's amazing to think how when we give each other our healing messages and when we receive those messages, it actually works for both sides. And they were too, to your point. So that was oh, such a good, funny. yes, yes. I have a lot of two friends and a lot of counselor friends. So I don't mm. know what that says about my mental health, but <laughs> I am grateful as a five to have You're people prepared. Pull. Yes, they are pulling the best out of me and they do try to help me so much. And I have pushed back so much. But I will say learning about the Enneagram has just helped deepen those friendships and those relationships to allow people to help me because you're so right. Taking up space was, it's hard for fives because we don't want to have needs and we don't want to ask people for help. Mm. Well, I think we are due for a little different kind of conflict. Uh, (laughs) When we come back, we are going to be playing What's Your Number with Elizabeth Evans. Stay with us. Here at LTN, we're all about helping people build better relationships. And we've actually created a brand new way to do that with our Say More conversation cards. Say More is a deck of 100 questions to kickstart engaging discussions. So there's silly things like Which famous cartoon character are you most like? And there's also serious things like, what has been your hardest goodbye in life? You can use our Say More cards with your family, your friends, on a date, at the office. My family and I have been using them at the dinner table, and I've learned things about my kids that I truly never knew before. To grab your own deck of Say More cards, go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. And while you're there, grab a couple more decks. They make great gifts for Christmas or birthdays, and all proceeds go directly to support Love That Neighborhood. So go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click store and get ready to say more because better relationships are just a question away. Welcome back to the Enneacast, Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for What's Your Number? 
All right, our game today is called What's Your Number? So here's how to play. Elizabeth, I'm going to read you a card. Then you are going to rank what is on that card from one to ten. One meaning that you absolutely despise it. Ten meaning that you love it. Great. Keep the number to yourself. Once you have your number, Lindsay and I are each going to try to guess what number we think that you've ranked this thing. We will take turns saying our guesses out loud. We cannot pick the same number. After we've each taken a guess, you will then reveal what number you chose. Whoever guessed the closest gets a point. Best out of five wins. Are you both ready to play? Yes. I am so ready. I have the easy job. This is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lindsay has the easy job, too, which is to lose. Lose. I knew you were <laughs> I'll believe in you, Lindsay. Okay, round one, using emojis in text messages. Using emojis in text messages. You Lindsay, can go Lewis, first. Do, oh, you want uh, me to go first? Yeah, got it. Okay, so one, does she hate using emojis in text messages, or ten, does she love it? I think, I'm going to go eight. Oh. I think she's pretty favorable. You know, she didn't go nuts. Like, yeah, she's yeah. not going to send you a, Not the kissy heart. It's not like hieroglyphics. Like, she's not going to send you something that like you have to translate. Well, maybe. Maybe maybe, maybe. so. That's, uh, but, Don't say um, too much, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. I think she likes using emojis in text messages. Hmm. I'm going to go seven. Come on. <laughs> so anything below that, I win. <laughs> you uh, you did prices right on me. Oh, yeah, this is the prices right here. Well, what I was really thinking was a typical five, I would go much lower. Uh-huh. I would think no emojis or very like practical emojis. No, like a stethoscope. Hearts. What do you mean yeah. a practical emoji? <laughs> <laughs> like, like I could see a lot of fives. If you're like wanted to say like, oh, I'm dead, like about something, you would put a skull, and they would be good mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. But not like a lot of like hearts and tears and things like that. But Elizabeth has a lot more connection, relational stuff to her. So could go a little higher. Okay. All right. So you've (laughs) said seven. I've said eight. Elizabeth, what is your number? Okay. I don't know if this is a part of the rules, but I was going to go with a 4.7. A 4.7. I love that. (laughs) That was very specific. Detail. Yes, always. I will say I use emojis, but I more so still do like the... um, Gosh, this makes me sound old. Like the colon in parentheses. Like I still do like mm. old school, mm-hmm. like how I'm feeling in like those kinds of ways. Like MS so, DOS. You're like, <laughs> that's like old school. You're like coding uh, yes, in your text messages. That's what it feels like. Or I had some social media guru tell me one time, she's like, you need to use a lot more emojis in your captions. And I was like, that doesn't uh, feel right to me. So yeah. I would say I do use emojis. I do use the skull one a lot, Lindsay. So that oh was gosh, funny that so you funny. said that. But I don't think I'm as big on it as other people are. Yes. Okay. So that's a point for me, Jesse. All she needed to hear was that she got a point. That's, that's <laughs> all that really, really mattered. All right. First round goes to Lindsay. Round two, slam poetry. Mm. Slam poetry. Slam poetry. Yeah. So, random. so Lindsay, do you think she likes I slam think poetry? I'm go with a three on this one. You think a three? Just because I have no idea. You have no idea? Mm-hmm. Here's, I'm torn. Okay. So let me just kind of process this out loud for a moment because I'm not a five. I'm a verbal processor. I think at almost like a cultural analysis level, it can be really, <laughs> really stimulating for a five. Like I legit know, like I know fives that like they love documentaries. They yeah. like going to sort of cultural events because they find it fascinating. like fascinating, like mm. intellectually fascinating. And I think that slam poetry 
has that ability. I feel like right now you're the, trying to convince but, her. But no, this but is here's table talk. But here's the problem. The problem is that if it's a really crowded, loud place, yes. then that's going to be a drawback. But I'll say six. Okay, I'm going to go six. Okay. Lindsay said three. I said six. Elizabeth, slam poetry. What is your number? Okay. I don't know if this is fair. However, <laughs> my answer was three. <laughs> mostly because I don't really, I don't, I don't know if I'm in that. Like, I don't really even know what slam poetry is. Oh, well, yeah. Does that mean, I mean, I, I've been Googling it while you guys have been talking and I feel uh-huh. like I, I would that. love it. And like after this conversation, I'm going to go to a slam poetry reading situation and maybe I can have a better evaluation of that. But I would say I'm just not well versed enough in it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I can't like it if I'm not well versed. So mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. most five answer I can give you. But yes. I was going to say a three just because I don't have a ton of exposure to it. You know what that means? That's two points. It means that I convinced her enough that she wants to invest time Which into it. Which proves that that was table talk. Oh, my That's gosh. That's what that proves. <sighh> All right. Lindsay, I'm get another point. I'm full circle on that with you guys, though, for sure. Okay. Yes. We, we need to hear your updated number when you go experience it. Yep. And it's going to be a six or more. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> round three, DIY projects. Mm. DIY projects. Am I going first on this one? Or yeah, is you it can you? go first. I think she is about the DIY projects. Yeah. Why in the world would you hire somebody else? and pay them a bunch of money when you could learn to do it yourself for far less. Yes. So I'm going to say seven. Yes. Okay. That's a good guess. I think a lot of fives maybe wouldn't want to do DIY projects because of the resources. Mm -hmm. Like after a long day at work on a Saturday, I don't want to get up and do Mm -hmm. a DIY project. Mm -hmm. But Elizabeth has created her entire own company. Right. She DIYs it for everybody else. Yeah. So I'm going to go 7.5. No, you can't. Yeah, you can't go halves. can't go halfsies. Okay. 8.2. You're going to, you're okay. I'll we'll, go up. We're going to go to eight. <laughs> uh, okay. So you said eight. I said seven. Seven. So you got it. You got to. All right, man. This is a risky one. All right. Elizabeth, what's your number? 8.5. Ah! <laughs> Elizabeth and I are vibing right now. I don't it's know true. if you... It's true. I'm even like, I'm in my office right now and there's just, I was looking around at all the stuff that I DIY'd and I was like, gosh, I do love that. I need to make more time for it. You know, obviously we're a little busy with the agency <laughs> stuff, but I love DIY stuff. This yeah. So great. Jesse's looks so defeated. I just want you to... I think all I did was convince you to make a higher number. No, I don't think I initially you would have said eight. Yes, I was going to no, go high. I, I probably would have said seven if you had not said seven. Do you want Lindsay to say her number first next time? Does that create equality oh, here? She's giving you equality. I don't need all this pity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, round four, the internet. The internet. The internet. Um... I think that she freaking loves the she internet. She has to love the internet. I think that she has a supercomputer she at her fingertips. She was googling snap poetry. I'm going. I'm going. Going all in. I think there's aspects of the internet she doesn't like. Yes. But I think as a whole, she likes it. I'm going to go nine. Okay. Mm, so do I want to go ten? Right. Or do I want to go eight? <laughs> right. That's, that's what you've left me with. Yep. Um. Because, yeah, there has to be probably some aspects that she doesn't like about it. Mm-hmm. I think I'll just go 10. Because it's just You're funny. going all in. It's just funnier. All in. Okay. You've said 10. I've said 9. Elizabeth, what is your number? <sighs> this is a hard one. Eek. Okay. If we're going... <laughs> <laughs> My 
gut instinct was like a five. Oh, which okay. I don't. I'm torn. Here's the thing. I actually don't like the internet. I would rather have conversations with people and just like figure things out, like mm-hmm. tangibly, like get my hands on things and like work through it. Mm-hmm. And I did build like basically my entire business with the internet and being able to record. <laughs> so it's it's both. Like I am so grateful for the internet and for being able to connect with you guys right now because of that. And I'm still like, let's go sit in a corner and just talk and turn everything off and Mm. then just have this intellectual conversation. There's probably slam poetry in the background when I figure out what that is. Nice. But (laughs) I'm going to go with five because I I have gratitude and also dislike. Yes. So just you get a point, but you're still way off. Oh, my gosh. Just pushing the the dagger in further, Lindsay. (laughs) All right. So round five, working lunches. That's a good one. Working lunches. Does she prefer to work straight through lunch Hmm. and have conversation about business? No break. Not a break. Not a break. It's not her talking about something she saw on the internet or something she did with a friend or something she Mm -hmm. might do this weekend. It's she's working. I'm gonna go straight up five Mm -hmm. because I think she's very capable of doing a working lunch, and maybe even when she's less healthy, she maybe does that more than she should Mm -hmm. kind of like the internet situation Mm -hmm. but that she actually does like taking a break even if she's still kind of working like rabbit trails Mm -hmm. that are less productive she needs a break Mm -hmm. i think three i don't think she likes it my gut is no bueno no bueno okay so you said five i said three elizabeth what is your number about working lunches can i get one piece of clarification (laughs) yes Is there somebody else present? Like I'm working alongside somebody else? Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. Like you're at your computer and you're hammering away and you're just shoving food in your face. Oh, okay. Um, Ooh. Mm. Okay. I'm still going to go with my gut of two. All right. Okay. All right. I do like to keep things organized and separate in my mind. I really hate working lunches with other people, I would say. Mm -hmm. That might be a one. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm eating lunch with you, Mm -hmm. I'm eating lunch with you and we are talking about something, but we are not talking about work. But I I would say I like to compartmentalize my life a bit more than letting them overlap. I'm not great at that, but I like to compartmentalize a bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Lindsay Lewis, congratulations. Three to two. Yep. Three to two. However. Tried to make a comeback. If she knew the beauty of slam slam poetry. poetry. (laughs) So... If this were just six Ooh. months in the future, I could have. You can. I could have, have won. A comeback in yep. the future. Yep. That's it. I have to let you guys know. Yeah, you have to keep us posted. Okay, and now it's time for five final questions. Okay, Elizabeth. Who are two people that you currently admire? No biblical characters are allowed. Got it. Okay. That wasn't one of the first things that came to my mind, which makes me question my salvation. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I, there's two people I think that come to mind when you first say that. One is one of my really closest friends right now. Her name is Tara. And I have just seen such growth in her that has inspired mm. me over the last year. She also is a dancer, so she like makes me go to these dance classes, and that is the hardest thing for a five to get into their body, <laughs> and dancing does that to me because you can't yeah. really overthink it. So yeah, I'm just really inspired by a lot of the internal work she's been doing, and I, I'm just so honored that I get a front row seat to that. Um, and then secondly, 
this not, I don't know, this might be weird because I we're in the same rooms together sometimes, but um Annie Downs is somebody that I really, really admire. Mm. And you know, we had just like a handful of conversations and um obviously she's in Nashville, but she is who she is all of the time. And the way that she runs her business and also being in the podcasting world, she's somebody that I'm very inspired by. Just the way that she runs her personal brand, the way that she runs her business and the way that she just continues to show up for the world. So those are two people I'm probably inspired by in this season. Mm, mm, wonderful. Second question. How do you like to waste time? Ooh, I don't. Um, but if I were to waste time, I'm either listening to an audiobook. Is that mm-hmm. wasting time? Or actually, I just binged watched Inventing Anna on Netflix. Oh, me too. Gosh, that was so good. Yes. That what, did feel like wasting time. What is up with her accent on that show? Yeah, it is. Why are you so She's poor? a brilliant actress, and that accent is confounding to I me. think it was supposed to be. Because when she really did do the, nobody knew where she was from. It's yeah, like, yeah, is she from yeah. Russia or some other state, like yeah. country? That was good. That's we how just, I we took just it too. It. But yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. number three. What is on your nightstand right now? Oh gosh. Um, obviously, there's a lamp, probably a glass of water, probably a Bible. We're gonna circle back on that. Biblical <laughs> people were not in my inspirational list. A book a phone charger and that might be it gosh that's boring that's the most boring answer i could have provided was it a good is it a good book um which book is it right now honestly it's probably a tim keller book mm, i'll have to go look and that's take acceptable. a picture and send it back to you guys we'll, we'll accept tim we'll keller accept is tim the keller. patron saint of ltn <laughs> yeah we literally have a photo of him hanging in our office <laughs> we so do we, okay we good like so we're, we're still on brand yeah and then everything's probably good. the underneath part of my nightstand is not organized i can keep my business organized but my personal life is a whole other thing so mm-hmm. the top part of the nightstand organized bottom part that's like a little bit of a bookshelf nobody needs to know <laughs> yeah i feel like that's many of us professionally organized, personally a mess. You have to have somewhere where you can let it all out. Yeah, that's right. Question number four, what is an important lesson that you've learned from failing? Ooh, important lesson from failing. Um, That you can do things that you're not great at the first time. Mm. As simple as that sounds, it took me over 30 years to realize I could do something that I didn't knock out of the park the very first time that I did it. And I can actually get better at it. I mm. think I always thought, if you aren't good at first, you will never get better. So um, I have learned to trust myself so much more. And in a five's internal world of wanting to be capable, learning that you can be capable after failure was a huge thing. So learning to trust myself more is probably the biggest thing I've learned from failure. That's great. That's really insightful. Number five, What would you like to hear God say to you when you die? Like right when you enter the pearly gates? Um, I don't know if this is too cliche. I love you. Mm. I think that's it. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's really good. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to make that heavy here at the end, but yeah, that's that's all I think I want to hear. There's a reason that we all want to hear that, you Mm -hmm. know? Sometimes cliches are cliches because they're they're the thing we all want. They're the deepest thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Elizabeth, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today and for joining us and offering so much insight to our listeners. I'm so honored that you guys thought of me and had me on. The internal world of a five can be tricky to understand and, and connect with. And 
to me, the more we tell stories, the more unity is on the other side. So I love what you guys are doing and helping people connect and be understood and seek to understand others better because we are all relational people. So I'm so inspired by the work you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. If you benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. Special thanks to our guest today, Elizabeth Evans. If you want to hear more from Elizabeth or to check out her fantastic podcasting services, go to elizabethevans.co. That's elizabethevans.co. Also, special thanks to Crosspoint Ministry, who helped train us in the Enneagram. You can check them out at crosspointministry.com. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. We provide internships focused on service, community, and discipleship for young adults ages 18 to 30. You can serve for a summer or a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. This episode was edited by Lindsay Lewis and myself. Rachel Zabo is our media director and producer. Anna Tran is our audio engineer. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. Community.